0: Thank you. Hey, partner, it's Kara from the other night. You know, the cowgirl. I can't remember everything, but I know things got super weird, and I'm sorry if I freaked you out. I'm not sure if you heard the news, but my friend Heather drowned at Barton Springs that night. I didn't find out until a police officer showed up at my house. By then, the rest of the girls were gone, headed back to their lives. They barely gave Heather a second thought. As if saying, oh, that Heather, she's a wild one, probably just off partying again, you know how she is, was enough to just wash their hands of her. I'll admit I didn't give her a second thought either. I mean, she has always been the one that orders the first round of shots or gets us into the club no matter how long the line is. There was this time when we were in high school when Heather convinced me to sneak into the football stadium in the middle of the night. I'm not talking some shitty field with a chain link fence. Football was huge in our hometown. The district paid through the nose for it. The superintendent actually got fired over the whole thing a few years later because it came out that he spent the entire athletic budget on that stadium. Not only that, he'd been funneling money from other departments into that project, so we didn't even have art or music classes for like two years. When Heather found out, she was pissed. She was an artist. Kind of like you, Cyrus. She wanted to go to Rhode Island School of Design. She'd been talking about it ever since we were in fifth grade. We were sophomores when that whole story came out. It's not like the people of the town had all kinds of money to make up for what the superintendent stole. And it's not like all that many people cared. I mean, they were plenty pissed about the money. But then they'd turn around and talk about how great the stadium was. How it put our town on the map and that kind of shit. Even some of our friends didn't get it. But Heather wasn't going to let it go. So one night we were having a sleepover at her house. And she said, tonight's the night. And when I asked her what she meant, she gave me this look, and I just knew. It was the same look she gave me when we were at Girl Scout camp and snuck off into the woods in the middle of the night to make animal noises to scare the other girls. The same look she gave me when we ditched school in seventh grade to go see 30 days of night. The same look she gave me when she showed me her first tattoo, the pentagram on her leg that she did herself. When Heather got that look, I knew it meant danger and excitement. Thinking about it now, I think she was testing something, see how far she could push some invisible boundary and still have everything end up okay. I'd go along with it because somehow I knew it would be okay, because it always was. Maybe that's why I wasn't all that worried when she didn't come home the other night. So anyway, she gives me the look and I don't even give it a second thought. I followed her out of the house and we headed for the stadium. Heather got her backpack and I heard stuff rattling around in it. Spray paint. A lot of it. And a set of bolt cutters, which is how we got out onto the field. By now, I'm wrapped up in Heather's spell. In the danger and thrill of the whole thing, you know? So we took that spray paint and started at one end of the field. And worked our way across pentagrams, inverted crosses, fuck in ten foot high letters. All kinds of satanic and pagan symbols and some shit we just made up that looked the part, you know? And then we got the hell out of there. That should give you a pretty good idea the kind of person Heather is. Or, I mean, was. Feels weird to say that. Was. So final. But yeah, she was a real tempter of fate. The cops wanted to know where I was that night. If I could remember when I saw Heather last. I told them I went home early, that I had a seizure on the ride back. They didn't have any questions after that, just gave me a card and told me to call if I remembered anything else thought I'd be okay going back to work, but all I can think of is that night. I had to take some time off to get my head right and get focused. Work understood, plus it helps that I'm mostly remote anyway. I tried to reach out to Heather's family, but they haven't gotten back to me. I ended up looking through her social media posts, but nothing really stood out. I'm sure she might have been partying a little more, but it's not like it was out of character for her. I keep going over that night Try and find something I missed, something I could have done differently, but there's nothing. And that's worse somehow, you know? Like this was going to happen no matter what anyone did. Like fate was finally fed up with Heather. We all grew up together, same hometown, same schools. I mean, different colleges. I stayed close with them, FaceTime, group texts. I tried to be there as much as I could during the school year. I visited when I had the money all that time and energy. All those playdates and sleepovers as kids, the trips to the mall, shopping for things we could barely afford, ice cream-fueled cry sessions over boys. It all amounted to nothing. I didn't even get asked to be a bridesmaid. They just heard Austin was a cool place to have a bachelorette party, and somebody must have remembered I lived here. It was convenient, I guess, to see me and use my house as a free place to stay. Maybe they were never actually the best friends I thought they were. You ever hold on to something from childhood more because of the memory associated with it than the thing itself? A keychain, a crappy stuffed animal. Maybe I kept those friendships alive because they were linked to those memories. To better times. I don't know. If anything, Heather was the strongest of those tethers to home, and now she's gone. Ever since moving here... All I've ever had was myself. There was my girlfriend, but she's been out of the picture for about a year now, and I haven't heard a word from her since I moved out. God knows where Benny is. Those bitches must have just let him run out of the house. Oh, Benny's my cat, in case you are wondering. Recently, when I think about all the things I've lost, the only thing I remember that brought me some sort of peace or joy was you. I know that's strange. I don't want you to feel like you need to bear the weight of all this shit, but I just really enjoyed your company, your spirit. You took care of me, and you did what I asked when I asked for it. You're a good soul, Cyrus. I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done for me. I was hoping we could talk some more. Call me when you get this.
1: I pull up to my apartment just as the voice message finishes, and there she is differently dressed her hair isn't as blonde as it was that night and i hadn't noticed a nose ring either kara sitting on one of those benches rises upon recognizing scarlet her body language screams apprehension but she manages a smile anyway i park the car gather my things and make my way to her before i can utter a word she holds me close and tight The hug is much longer than I usually hug anyone these days, but given the circumstance, I don't break until she's ready. I lower my neck some so my chin rests gently on top of her head. She burrows into my chest. I breathe a little heavier. We stand like that for a while longer until her hands slip back to her sides. Stepping back, I examine her. Her body is facing me, but her head keeps angling off in Scarlet's direction. Carole. Why do you keep looking at my car? She slowly looks back at me.
0: I don't know what's going on, but I think there's something off about it.
1: Like what?
0: There's a storm coming. It will last a couple of nights. Good opportunity to make money. People around here don't like getting caught in the rain. And neither do the things pretending to be people.
1: Things pretending to be people? What What things, Kara? You're not making any sense. She's staring at my arm, not listening.
0: What happened here?
1: She gently touches the bruises. Uh, passenger, they got a little rough with me.
0: Jesus, what's wrong with people these days? It looks like it hurts. Did you report it, Cyrus? I really think you should.
1: Nah, trust me. Won't be seeing him anytime soon. Uh, Needless to say, I gave him one star.
0: I think you should do more than that. Do you remember where they live?
1: (laughs) Why? Do you want to egg their house or something?
0: I always have an extra carton in the fridge.
1: We both laugh. It was needed. Honestly, it's fine. I've had worse.
0: Seriously, you really shouldn't let people hurt you like that, Cyrus. I mean it.
1: Yeah, I know. She throws her arms around my neck and kisses my cheek.
0: Just be careful, okay?
1: I will. I feel her words reverberate through my body. It's good having someone looking out for you, even when you don't look out for you. I hope Kara is right about this rain thing. I could definitely use more money, especially with rent and my card payment coming up in a week or so. Let's pray for rain, Austin.
0: Thank you for writing with Imp. Don't forget to subscribe and rate your driver five stars. Episode four featured Corey M. Crosdale as Cyrus, Emily Hatch as Kara. Episode four was written by Corey M. Crosdale and Kirk Johnson. Audio and music production by Jeff Gleason. The voice of Imp is Leslie H. Imp is a production of the Schemes Come True Network. Imp will change the way you think about rideshare.